delving into stocks, property, bonds, economics, and more. This is the Stock Market Mentor Podcast. Taking an unconventional stance, we challenge the industry to help you protect your investments and empower you with the knowledge to become a savvy investor. We don't provide financial advice. Here's Steve Moriarty, Tom Hill, and Jacob Senior. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Stock Market Mentor Podcast. Today, we're going to be going over numbers versus narratives. And you've got the Tom and Steve show today. No, Jacob. No, Mr. Senior. Not today. That's all right. We'll we'll get through it quickly today then. Okay. (laughs) For a change. (laughs) Look, um, I'm just going to start off with a quote. So, you know, this one's by Michael Shermer. So he's a historian and an author. Humans are pattern-seeking storytelling animals. We look for and find patterns in our world and in our lives, then weave narratives around those patterns to bring them to life and give them meaning. Indeed. Um, Yeah, it's basically, um, as we sort of set out in the previous ones, what we want to do here is is focus people's attention or where where you should direct your attention. Um, Previous ones we talked about process versus outcome, signal versus noise. What we're doing is saying, look – This is where the industry want you to focus. Um, They want you to focus on the noise. They want you to focus on the outcomes. And in this episode, they want you to focus on the narrative, right? What we're saying is, no, 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 you want to focus on the signal, you want to focus on the process, and you want to focus on the numbers, right? So that's where we start. But as your quote says, humans love stories, right? And and. We, we're generally storytellers. We sit around the campfire and tell stories. We don't sit around the campfire and go, let's do algebra, right? Let's, let's run through some numbers. So, and part of it is because it resonates emotionally, but in investing, it makes sense, right? Because you want to hear, you want to hear a story about a stock, right? Rather than the, the numbers. If you're a beginning investor, a beginner investor, a story will make a lot more sense than if I said to you, oh, Tom, I want to talk to you about a really cheap PE ratio. Um, it's really got a really great valuation, pure number stuff. It's not going to resonate that much as, Tom, let me tell you the story about why this stock is going to be really so great. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing you want to do is, um, and in a previous episode we talked about process and the the – Part of that is understanding the numbers first and foremost over the narrative, right? But you'll always get – well, I shouldn't say you'll always get, but you generally get lured by a story and then you you look into the numbers. Like we said last time, you know, you'll hear 15% and you'll go, oh, I'm going to go and have a look at that, right? That's the, the, the trigger point, so to speak. And in numbers versus narratives, it's always the story that sort of gets you in a little bit yeah, absolutely. I can, now you mention it, I can tell the first stock I ever bought, as ridiculous as, as this sounds, um, was off a recommendation a guy gave me in a car park. He goes, look, mate. This uh, is going to be uh, an interesting I, story. Look, I have no idea what he was even doing talking to me, but he came straight over to me and started telling me about a stock I should buy, about this niche little mining company that was setting up a new mine in Zimbabwe or something. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what they were mining. Um but what I can tell you is I think it was going to be about 10 years before they actually extracted anything from that mine. Uh, I put more money in than I was comfortable with and it effectively went nowhere and I gave up after five or six years and sold it, <laughs> you know. But 
that's, that's unusual. The, that's the kind of thing, you know, going, oh my gosh, like new mind, let's get in early. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're all going to strike it rich. Like they're the things that suck you in. And, you know, the other stuff, when I was starting out, we've banged on about this a few times because this was the source of truth before we found you. You know, those ASX penny stock investor groups and things on Facebook, you know, guys will post, go, look, this is the next big thing, yeah, you know, yeah. a bunch of rocket emojis, and yep. you just, you buy straight into it. <laughs> it's so true. It's a thing. Fire emoji. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but the funny thing is, if it works out once, you get suckered into doing it a hundred times until you lose money. Um, but it, it's funny because I'm just sorry. That's so funny. You, you, there's so you see so many rocket emojis. Yeah. You know, like three rocket emojis. Oh, you know, let's go in. Someone's but going to the moon. But it's so it 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 you know it gets back to that point about emotionality. You know that you the narrative really resonates with you, right? Whereas the numbers are just really dry. I you know I sort of said previously. You know, nobody gets excited about two plus two equals four, and people go, wow. Right, because it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we know that. so what? You know, that's just a bunch of numbers. It's the story that makes it really important, right? The the narrative, and if you look at, for example, you look at stock bubbles, right, or you look at recessions. Now, if those run absolutely inverse relationships to investing. So, in a stock bubble, when the narrative is everything's fantastic, it's going to be great, you know. Absolutely, you know, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, rocket emojis, yeah. right? Everything's fantastic. That's the worst time to invest. Right? So absolute worst time. Now, if you go to a recession and people will have rocket emoji crashing into the ground, right? It's all <laughs> over. The world's going to end. Yeah, showing their portfolios with massive losses. And- that's the best time to invest, right? At the, But that's, that's ignoring the narrative. And it's not – well – it's not even ignoring the narrative. It's actually a sort of like counter-narrative, if I can put it to you in, in that way. And so you get these two opposing thoughts, right, which is things are going really well, but the numbers tell you it's overvalued, right? I think you were talking about Tesla. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that a lot of people are going on about, you know, how high Tesla's going to go. I took one look at it, price-to-earnings ratio of about 78 and I'm going, it's look, Murphy's Law, if I don't buy it, it's probably going to keep going up. But I'm, I wouldn't put your money near that, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing, you see. You, you look at the narrative and often, too, you find because you get seduced by a narrative, you start to find a way to buy things. You know, like you I, – I, I still do it now. After 25 years, I will still read stuff about mining – small mining companies and go, geez, you know what? I could just put, you know, five lazy five or ten grand in that and, you know, it'll be worth a hundred or it could be, you know, blah blah. And I have to I have to always say to myself, Stephen, stop it. Right? Stop it. Just go and do something else. Or what I'm better at now is saying that's not part of my process. I, I don't I don't indulge in. Now I'm not saying you can't and indeed you can. But what you've got to do little hint here, is say, I'm going to buy 10 of them with $1,000 each, right? Not, I'm going to pick one and go 10 grand. Because we know five of them are going to be duds, right? <laughs> I can tell you from 20 years' experience. Yeah, You buy these things and they, 
they double in price and then they halve in price and then they halve again and you end up going, gee, I really should have sold when I had double my money, right? But you got suckered into the narrative and that's what happens in all stock and property bubbles, right? You, the, it's the story, right? You get rocket emojis everywhere and everybody is in on it, right? And so you get a really strong groupthink, right, about narratives and, it, you know, you think about it. The hardest part about being contrarian is being a bit of a, um, well, you know, who wants to hear from a guy going, listen, mate, I think you should be really careful with your portfolio yeah. when, you, you know, when you're cracking it and making lots of money. Well, but, you sound like a pessimist when everyone's really optimistic and then you sound like an optimist when everybody's Yeah, ab- absolutely. But that, you know, dare I say it, Warren Buffett is, you know, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Yeah. And it's re- the numbers might, you know, our point is the numbers bear that out. The narrative will not, the narrative will actually mislead you, right? Now, you know, that's where if you look at a, the the theory, right, one of the three themes, um, you know, what we're doing is in, a, in efficient market theory, they, they talk about this idea of everybody having the same information. Wrong. Right? And it's wrong, right? And it, I'd look at that and say, if everybody's got the same narrative, then you're generally, you know, you're generally waiting on the side of being wrong rather than being right. The problem with being a contrarian is you might be wrong for quite a, an extended period of time, right? And, and that's what goes on with things like the CAPE ratio, Right, it will go from thirty to thirty-five, and people will say, "That's wrong. Oh, it doesn't work anymore." Simply based on a short-term result or a narrative, and and I, you see this with about Warren Buffett. Every single bull market, people will say to you, "There'll be a group of people who say Warren Buffett's no good anymore." Right, crypto. Oh, Warren Buffett's no good anymore. It's all about crypto and he's too old and blah, 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 right? And then Warren gets proven right over a longer period of time. And so, again, it's just that groupthink sort of, you know, narrative that's really strong because it resonates with everybody. Well, I think it's important to just highlight, you know, even if the cape is extremely high or Tesla's price to earnings might be extremely high, it doesn't mean it can't keep going up. Yeah, yeah. It just means that if you're actually looking at the odds and you've got a repeatable process, yes. yeah, yeah. you're going, mm, my odds of a good return here are lower than I would like. You know, I mean, in fact, I've got a higher chance that I will lose money over the mid to long term. Yes. So I'm going to find opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, and that comes into the, the numbers and narratives where, you know, we were talking before saying, we're not saying Tesla's not a great company. We're not saying Tesla will be a great company. What we're saying is, as an investor, what you want to talk about is your returns, right? It's no good saying, oh, Tom, you know, like I'm a great storyteller. I'm a shithouse investor, but I'm a great storyteller, right? People that go, well, give me the great investor, thanks very much, right? So we're not saying Tesla or, you know, any of these AI companies or tech companies are great, are, are bad companies. But what we're saying is that, that doesn't mean that it you can buy them at any price, right? And Howard Marks talks about this quite a bit and says, you know, the same thing by saying, look, they're all great, you know, they're great companies, but if it's on a PE of 77, you're not going to get a really great return, right? Um, and there were people saying, you know, Tesla 
is worth a trillion, <laughs> some stupid figure, right? A trillion, a trillion dollars or something. And if you did the numbers, you'd go, well, hang on, that means it's got to sell every car in the world, right? <laughs> I mean, that is plainly stupid, right? But there are people out there who don't do that stuff, right? They don't do the numbers. They don't go, hang on, let me check this, you know, and see what that really means. What they've done is just been suckered into speculation more than investing, right? Because speculation is all about stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that kind of um, rationale falls more into speculating, right, rather yeah, than yeah. actually investing. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's it's. I think we talked about this earlier on about how to think about investing. Um, you know, you it's it's not systematic. A lot of those narratives are not sustainable for a start. You know, I think we were talking about oil. Um, over coffee, you know, where you get a narrative about oil, which is, and, and you see this through the cycles, when the price of oil gets really high, we've got peak oil, right? We're running out of oil, it's all going to be terrible, right? Then the price crashes, you don't hear anything about peak oil anymore, right? Then what you hear about is we're all going to be driving electric vehicles and we're not going to need any more oil, right? That's It's going to keep falling. That's exactly right, right? So the narrative changes as the price changes. And what you've got to say is, well, the narratives are wrong. Or secondly, say, okay, well, that, yeah, Tom, that makes sense. How long does it make sense for? Right? Yeah. Is, is, it, is Tesla a great company for five years? Well, what about 30 years or 40 years? You know, you don't really know. So it's easier to follow, to follow the numbers and, and look at that to understand that, like you said before, that will raise your probabilities of giving you a good return, right? So if you – and that ties into time, right? And that's why I say, you know, you hear a narrative, but it's like, okay, but how long's the narrative, you know, how long's that good for? Um, and you get market cycles and stuff. Yeah. I mean, stories are usually the lagging or forward-looking indicators, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, It doesn't really help us make decisions here and now always. Yes. So – well, th- I mean, at the Robert- end of the day, even if that narrative, like you use the oil example, not to go back on it too long, but you raised a good point. Even if the narrative is really terrible, and even if there's some good logic in there going, look, you know, I think electric vehicles will be more prominent and maybe there will be less of a need for oil, doesn't mean that, you know, the stock's not priced very well. Exactly. And that it can pay a great dividend. Yeah. So it doesn't mean it's, it's not a good investment. Yeah, yeah. And often you'll find that, as I said before, it's when you get a bad narrative that you get a really cheap you get a really cheap stock that's worth buying, right? Why is it cheap? Because the narrative's bad, right? So that's Robert Schiller talks about this stuff, you know, with irrational exuberance, and he he talks about this, you know, emotional um, narratives narratives that take on a sort of viral, you know, component. Other words, you know, they start to spread more and more. And it becomes the dominant theme. And this is what you get in a lot of uh, property, uh, sorry, property, um, a lot of um, stock market bubbles, property bubbles, bond bubbles, right? They're all driven by an overwhelming narrative. And it's really hard to say to people, well, hang on, there's no correlation between that point and the story that you're talking about, right? Um, 
that's where it becomes really hard because, like you say, who wants to be a contrarian? And it's a bit like, oh, please, Tom, you know, don't bring those really downer points to, you know, the Tesla story. Everybody wants to be a Tesla bull. Well, a right. good example of that, right? We've obviously had a, a sensational property bull market for a long time. Yep. You know, and then, you know, you've got half the camp saying, look, it, things are going to cool off, maybe go sideways, maybe go backwards. But then you've got the other side going, look, you know, but Queensland's a hotspot, you've got the Olympics coming, and that's where the narrative yeah. can be really confusing. Well, yeah, see, that this big one was the Olympics coming to Queensland, right, coming to Brisbane. It's like eight years away. <laughs> it's like, you know, seriously. what? And, and But the argument also is, okay, so the Olympics are coming. Okay, so what? Well, what does that mean? Oh, well, you know, property's going to go up and, you know, you've got to buy close to the facilities. Really? Who wants to buy, Who wants to live close to facilities? It's a, you know, it's a shithouse idea. Who wants people driving, traffic chaos, you know, blah, blah. It goes for two weeks. So... You're going to move here for that. Well, it's the same thing with Taylor Swift, right? You know, Taylor Swift's going to change the economies, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. If you're not spending your money, well, if you're spending your money on Taylor Swift, you are not spending it on something else, right? It all adds up to zero. My point being, you can have all these narratives that say we're going to get lots and lots of growth, about certain in certain areas, but the 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 reality is that the numbers, i.e., the dollars that are going in, is what will influence it a lot more than the story. So you can tell a really great story about the Olympics coming to Brisbane, but again, you've got to be able to say, okay, well, let's run the numbers and then see if those are the relevant numbers that I should be looking at, right? And as you say, we're in the midst of a of you know a long-term property bull market where anyone drops into the story you know anything that suddenly becomes relevant you know like oh we've got the olympics whoa that's going to be great for property it's like really how that doesn't cancel out serviceability and you know cost of living crisis absolutely not to say the narrative can't influence the outcome like like we touched on before it very well might yeah yeah, you know you can't ignore all those other points absolutely it's it's you know, it again, why numbers, I find numbers overwhelmingly more convincing than a story. And and the reason why is once you read a story sceptically, I'm not saying you've got to be an outright critic. All I'm saying is you've got to read the story and go, hang on, okay, well, is that actually true? Let me work through that. Part of working through that is working through the numbers. Right and and again, it, Tesla is a perfect example. And it could be Tesla, it could be AI stocks, it could be you know WeWork that was you know hot stock. It was um, what was that cycling thing? Um, oh, I don't know. That was ZipPay and all those yeah, went nuts all those as things, well. Right, yeah. they were all. And this is what you find often on the ASX. You know, you find these things that you know buy now pay later. It's going to go to the moon. You know, blah blah blah. Whereas in actual fact, it might be like yeah, well. We're probably going to have buy now, pay later at some stage, but the numbers say it's not worth buying at the moment. You know, therefore, you can you can still hold that narrative, but say, but I'm not going to buy yet. I'll wait till it becomes really cheap. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So if, let's talk about incentives. Okay. Right? Um, you know, because we like to bash the industry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know, I know. But but it just, you know, and again, 
this is where for me as a as a sort of private investor or someone who invests their own money you get to see the the stories that the industry puts forward out there right and there's heaps of them um and it's one that gets me is the you know to compound and get wealthy you've got to invest for the long term right or you've got to compound your money over the long term and it's it's you know that's a really strong narrative but it's absolutely wrong right if you compound your money at a really high rate you'll get rich really quickly right so that's also a simple numbers game rather than the narrative of oh you've got to do it for a long time well yeah if you pick your timing right we've touched on this multiple times anyway but if you get your numbers right you can do more in five years than 20 absolutely well many people have yeah right but the mistake they make is they don't sell after five years they hold on for 20 and they end up with you know average or below average returns you know so they that's the that's the essence of it well it comes down to you know what we said before um you know customers value certainty so, yeah, yeah. you know, you're not going to buy into, look, we might do this or we might be able to get you these returns. You're going to buy into, look, this is what we the average return that we're receiving. Yep. You and know? you get a story with it. Correct. Right? So that's where we, we sort of look at it and, and we're not saying narratives are always wrong, but what we're saying is the numbers should dominate over the narrative. Or if you hear a narrative, you know, you hear a great story – look at the numbers but you want to look at the numbers within a broader context because the narrative you have this inherent sort of confirmation bias um that's why more experienced investors are a little bit more skeptical um you know buffett munger steve jobs all of those sort of people said you say no to 95 percent of things right and it's it's basically because the the more you, the the older you get, the more you invest. The more you get down to simple principles, but also realizing that there's a thousand narratives out there. Really, you want to look at the numbers. They'll inform you much more than the narratives will. So we're not saying narratives are wrong, but what we're saying is you've got to relate it back. You know, I think we were talking earlier about Microsoft, right? Great company, unbelievably great company. But it took 13 years from 2000 to 2013 to get back to where it was, right? Even though every year you could say earnings are increasing, really good run, you know, really well-run company, all of, the, all of the narrative parts were good, but it had to work off the numbers. Just 13 years prior, it was extremely overvalued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're, the same with Japan, right, on a, on, a, on a ratio basis, CAPE ratio basis, Japan was at 100 Right. Well, that's why it's had two to three decades of going nowhere, right? Because it has to work off that overvaluation. And that's where Ben Graham was saying, you know, in the short run, it's a voting machine. And in the long run, it's a weighing machine. Because what he's saying is in the short run, you'll get narratives. In the long run, when you become rational, you go, well, hang on, this thing's not going to make money if I buy it at, you know, P77. Yeah. Right. Great story but it's not going to make numbers. You eventually get there after you've been sucked in by the narrative, right? Well, Steve, look, we've gone on about a lot about numbers in this in this episode, right? Yep. What are the main things you would say to new investors 
where, like where would you start? Right. So if I'm looking at if if my friends telling me, look, you know, put your money in zip pay, this thing's going to go nuts. What's the first thing you would look at? Like, you know, keep in mind someone who may not have as much time or as much interest in this as yeah. you. What's a good measure? I think um, I think there's a couple of things. For, there's three main principles we talk about, which is um, market cycles, asset allocation, and rebalancing. Right. That's the sort of in my mind. That's the the holy grail or the holy trinity. Um, so. You, you want to have a system and that, as we talked about with process versus outcomes, the process, first of all, needs to basically be fairly rational, right, rather than narrative-based. And what that means is, first of all, generally, not all the time, but generally avoiding groupthink, right? That, you know, it's, it's so easy to be part of the crowd because it feels comfortable, you don't have to think, Right? Hey, you just buy those stocks and they go up. That's really good, right? I don't want to have to do any analysis. But the reality is that's going to be more luck than skill. Long-term investors know that you can't rely on luck all of the time, right? You've got to get some skill. So first of all, you want to avoid groupthink. Look at the biases, right? Your own personal. Like I said to you before, even just getting attention of a narrative if you're if you're an investor, you tend to sort of go, oh, you know, I might have a look at this, and you're just you're looking at it with a bit of a bias, going, oh, well, this is gonna this is going to make money, right? So you look at things such as recency bias, right? Um, narratives are really strong. Most recent, right? They get they build and build, like um, Schiller said about a virus, right? You've got confirmation bias. I read this story about a stock. I'm going to go and have a look at it because, it, you know, it sounds like a really good idea, right? So, again, you've got to put those numbers into a historical context. And the, the reason why that's important is because investing's a journey over time. And so you've got to – it's no good being right now if you're going to hold it for 10 years, but over 10 years you know that it's grossly overvalued, mm. right? Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, avoid em- emotional decision-making, okay? Um, Daniel Kahneman talks about system one and system two, right? So what most people use system one, right, which is the intuitive, emotional, you know, excitable sort of part. Gut feeling. Gut feeling, right? You want to use system two, rational, logical. If you want to make – if you want to buy a stock – Generally, now this is you know this is not advice, but generally, you're better off waiting a few days to and coming back to it, right? And going, okay, yep, yep, I'm I'm right on that, right? Because it just helps put a little bit of emotional distance between one decision you make on a Monday where you go, this is this thing's really right, then you get to Friday and go, mm, okay, I need to you know there might be a few other things I need to have a look at, so that's a really important part. Um, Try and reduce where you can your subjectivity, right? And that's where um, things like base rates, right, the long-term average is really helpful because, as you said before, yes, you can buy, you know, Tesla or, you know, GameStop or something at the top and, indeed, it may well go up further. But what are the odds that it's going to sustain that for, you know, over the long term? right? And what we know is it's very, very unlikely, right? So you're better off 
flipping that and saying, well, here's something that's undervalued and is it going to be undervalued forever? Probably not. Okay, well, that's where I probably should be looking more into it. Yeah. But the point being, try and reduce that subjectivity. So in other words, reduce the narrative elements of it. Um, What I often do is have a really simple process of look at the PE ratio, look at the debt to equity, um, you know, a couple of other indicators. Is it at the 52-week low? Um, And indeed, if I look at the narrative, what I want to see is a bad story. Yes. Right? Because then I know that, you know, that's why it's cheap. Why? Because everyone's got a bad story about it. That's your process, right? Well, that's abso- what you've absolutely grown to trust. Right? And it's it's easier because I go, okay, yeah, the, the numbers are really reflecting that narrative. Then I can put it into a, a, a historical context and say, okay, and it's really cheap historically. So, you know, we talk about well too. You find a cheap country, uh, country in terms of CAPE, Right? Then you might find a cheap sector. Then you'll find a cheap company. So, for example, you might look at, and again, this is not advice, but you might look at Brazil, right? The PE is about seven or something, right, at the time of talking. Um, Then you'll go, okay, well, oil is really cheap. Oh, right, okay. Now I'm going to go and look for a cheap oil country located in Brazil, right? And you'll probably come up with something like Petrobras. But my point being if you work through that process, you're looking in the ugly countries, right? You're not looking where everything's going gangbusters. It's too late, mm-hmm. right? You've missed out, right? And perversely, it's where the ugly numbers are that turn into a really good narrative, right? After 12 or 24 months, everybody's suddenly talking about Petrobras and oil in Brazil, right? You were there when nobody wanted to talk about it. Right, that's the that's the way you really succeed, and then what you want to do is and and, beca- and the reason why I say that is because stories are always a little bit resonating about the here and now. You know, you 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 get sort of you get locked into the here and now, and that's why I say you've got to look at market cycles, right? Because what that does is it puts you in a in a proper historical context, right? Which is why we talk about time amongst you know theory and incentives time is really really critical because when you when you hear a narrative you your emotions are really strong in the here and now oh absolutely right and that's what daniel kahneman says he says you know you will never get a stronger emotion than the one that you're feeling right at that point in time and with narratives if it's i feel really seriously good about this because you've heard a really great story Generally, that might be a bit of a ding, 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 you know. Well, it should be. Absolutely, absolutely. But as I say, it's really hard to overcome, right, because you're, you're, you're just so convinced by the story. Whereas if I said to you, oh, Tom, uh, PE is 77, huge debts, uh, unsure about uh, future, hasn't been around that long, you know, you'd be going, oh, this is a terrible investment, right? Now that's- Narrative aside. Yeah, that's yeah. Tesla, right? That's Tesla's numbers, right? Now, if I do the narrative and say, listen, Tom, electric vehicle company. Genius. Ge- Elon Musk. Right. You know. headed, by a, headed by a genius, right? Um, it's all about the future, Tom. We're all going to be driving electric vehicles, right? Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going, this is a great investment. This right? is where it gets tough, eh? Exactly. It's actually simple. 
but then the narrative just skews it, yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah. battling these emotions. Absolutely, that's the that's the hard part about it. So anyway, we uh, we better stop rabbiting on, Mister Hill. Um, okay, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, we will see you next time. Perfect. Thanks for listening. That's it for another episode of Stock Market Mentor. We hope you have enjoyed the show, and if you have any questions about the episode or want to discuss how we can help you become a better investor, please feel free to contact us at support at stockmarketmentor.com.au. We'll see you next time.